Welcome to K-Explore's Emerging Research. We're focusing on research that's happening right now. It's science so fresh, you haven't even heard about it yet. I'm Stacey Cochran. And I'm Kim Winslow from the Knowledge Exchange. Today we're talking with Lisa Bilkey, an associate professor in the Department of Animal Sciences in the College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, thanks for having me here. I'm really excited at the opportunity to talk to everyone today about what we do over here. Lisa's research centers on poultry gut health, and you're doing some intriguing work to boost immunity that we'll get into shortly. But first, we like to start with a get to know you question. This one, I feel like I already know the answer to this, but I'm interested to see what you have to say. If you had to give up one of the following forever, which would you choose and why? Okay, plumbing, motorized vehicles, electricity. I could easily go with motorized vehicles. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Airplanes might be a little bit difficult mm. because I do like to travel. Um, but as far as just day-to-day life for getting around, I already just generally use my bicycle. So See? cars can go it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I feel like that is one that you could get away with, you know, ride a bike, but plumbing. Mm. Uh, no, thank you. Mm. No, I really, I really appreciate indoor plumbing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think we've all learned that yes. indoor plumbing is extremely helpful. It is the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love awesome. it. So Lisa, when we're thinking about all, giving up all of those things, it makes me think a little bit about health and wellness. And so it also makes me think a little bit about your research. I know that there is a concerted effort in animal care right now to reduce the use of antibiotics. And poultry producers are dealing with antibiotic resistance to things like avian necrotic enteritis, which is a life-threatening and costly disease for the industry. So instead of new treatment ideas, I know you are looking for prevention. And people are already familiar with probiotics in yogurt drinks, um, tablets or capsules that you take, even chocolate, which we learned about through one of our Science Happens Here episodes. Why not add probiotics to chicken feet? So Lisa, this centers on your emerging research. What big questions are you asking in your project? Um, yeah, so we do work with probiotics, but really what we're doing with those is trying to figure out how we can establish the best possible um, microbial environment within the gut of the birds. Um, and, and that that being all poultry species, not not just chickens. I tend to talk a lot about chickens because they're the most common, but we also work with other species. And and so, you know, we've done a lot of work with necrotic enteritis because that is a big problem with the poultry industry. Um, and antibiotics are definitely used to control that disease. But really, instead of working directly on necrotic enteritis, we're looking at how can we establish an immune system that is naturally resistant to that disease And we're using the bacteria in the gut to establish that resistance and good immune function in the birds. So what is uh, the benefit of boosting poultry gut health? Well, um, the gut's actually really quite complicated. And so I, you know, I often tell people that I have, I work in a research area that seems really very exact and and, uh, 
you know, very narrow, but it's actually quite broad. So, you know, gut health is uh, feed digestion and absorption. It's immune function, disease resistance, um, recovery from those diseases. It's actually a large um, hormonal organ. And so I, I work in a lot of fields in research and really try to, to bring that all together um, to improve the health of the animals. Um, one, one popular thing to talk about when we talk about the guts is what's actually um, within our GI tracts is still outside of the body. And so we depend on, um, you know, sort of that barrier that the gut has to prevent disease and prevent problems. And so a healthy gut is actually going to be a healthy animal. Well, and can you talk a little bit more about that? So I remember when we were chatting earlier, you made it clear that the probiotic or gut health field is really looking at prevention and recovery, like you had just mentioned. It's not looking at replacing the antibiotic. Is that correct? Right. So antibiotics are really powerful medical tools that are used to treat diseases once the disease occurs. And, and actually, a lot of probiotics come from microbial organisms. They, they Some even come from bacteria. And but we have a lot of science behind producing those antibiotics in a very potent and well-defined way. And just putting, I shouldn't say just, but putting bacteria into the gut of an animal or into any system, you're kind of throwing it into the wild and saying, here, do your thing. But there's a lot of other factors that are going to go into that that a chemical antibiotic can overcome. But the bacteria, you know, they're left to do their thing, sort of, and getting them to do exactly what they want, what we want them to do is really difficult. Mm -hmm. So really where I've seen probiotics have the most benefit is disease prevention. So, you know, kind of, there's a lot of mechanisms through which, which it can happen, but keep, keep the disease from occurring in the first place. Or um, if birds do get sick or, you know, this applies to a lot of animals, cattle or whatever. So if an animal does get sick, use the probiotics to help them recover from that disease and get better. You know, you can think of it as why do we want to eat yogurt after we've taken a course of antibiotics? Well, it's to help reestablish our microbiota and to help our guts repair themselves. It, it would be the same thing for animals. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then... Speaking of these probiotics, what kind of probiotics are you exploring? Well, so I will say at the moment, I'm not exploring, say, a specific probiotic. I'm not going to tell you, hey, I want to work with bacillus. Um, a lot of companies, we call them allied industry, you know, companies that make these products for the animal industries, they're already pretty good at finding um, probiotics. The, the methods for saying, okay, we have a bacteria that we think could be a probiotic and here's some lab laboratory methods that we could do to test it against, um, you know, another bacteria or a disease or, or whatever. Um, you know, the, those protocols are pretty well established. They can be followed in the lab really well. So, so what we're doing here at OSU is that we work with techniques that are maybe not quite so developed, you know, new ways to find probiotics. Or, or things that are a bit more complicated that, you know, where maybe we need the animal, we need to set up specific conditions, we need to look at the hatching cabinets, um, you know, we want to look at a vaccine response or something like that, where it's more complicated, and you need more working pieces, and you can't just hand it over to a lab technician and say, hey, run this assay. 
Um, so yeah, a lot of what we're doing is, is really kind of developing that more complicated system to help us understand um, how probiotics are acting on the animals and what we can do um, to make better ones or to find better ones. So what I really like about this project is that this these this question came directly from producers um, and extension and the industry looking for solutions to this problem. Um, so what do you feel like is the end goal for this research? I know you talked about looking at unique avenues. Um, what are you hoping to find out? How probiotics work. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, right? The big, okay. right. There, yes. So, so the interactions between uh, an animal host and the bacteria is actually really quite complicated. Um, so, so if we just think about like the number of bacteria and the number of host cells that are in an animal, there are just it's a measurable number of, back, of interactions that can hap happen there. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about 10 to the 14. That's like a one with 14 zeros behind wow. it. Number of <laughs> bacteria easy. within a gut. Um, that might be on the high end. It depends on who you talk to. But I like the big number because it sounds more spectacular. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's just that many bacteria. There's more bacteria in our guts than there are humans on the planet. Oh Crazy. And how complicated is, is our planet, right? So... You know, you get that many bacteria, they don't have quite the same um, capabilities as humans do for social interaction, but it's still like the number of just pure interactions there is crazy. And so, you know, we know that bacteria affect the human, uh, the immune system and we, they affect each other and they affect digestion. And so we, we know a lot about what they do, but not necessarily how they do it. And before we can have like this really big, huge leap forward in probiotic development and probiotic usage, I think we really need to understand how it is that they do what they do. And, and there's a, quite a bit of research um, in that area. And so we've, we've been working on that um, a, a little bit before I came to OSU, but it's been a really big focus um, since I got here because of just the number of resources that are available in OSU that are easily accessible. And so we can start getting some of the, the bigger data and bigger pictures put together on right. it. So are you working with other groups then on this project, other collaborators? I've done a lot of work um, with companies and trying to help them fit probiotics and how to use them within their systems. But also here at OSU, I've worked with MCIC, quite a bit, our Molecular and Cellular Imaging Center um, for our microbiome work. They're a great resource to help us learn things. And then the proteomics lab down in Columbus um, has been really, really good. They they were actually excited to get some chicken samples because they always, they generally work with human and so they see, or rodents, and so they see gallus gallus and they're like, ooh, something new. And so they just took off with it. I was like, yes, please. <laughs> oh my gosh, pushing the chicken agenda. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Yeah, but also it, it takes a lot of skills, just laboratory skills that I don't have. Um, mm -hmm. And that's my tendency to do things is to just be like, hey, we're going to figure this out on the way. And and so there's been, I, I don't know, I could think about it all day long and probably still forget somebody that helped us learn how to do all of the little things that took us to the point of getting our data back. Right. Well, and I'd love to learn a little bit. We keep talking about, you know, where this work may go and the essence of the questions that you're asking. I'd love to hear the setup that you're hoping to achieve. You know, what's the methodology and what are some of the basic questions you're going to be asking with that experimental or research process? 
so one thing that I think really gets a lot of students once they get into graduate school and start learning how science works is that you, we know we rarely have that big aha moment that just changes the world. Right. Yeah. That that what we get are incremental gains, and when we look back on five or ten years, we see like, oh, look how far we've come. Mm-hmm. And That's a great point, right? Right. And we still need to be working towards that big aha moment. And and so, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, okay, where do I want to be in 10 years from now? Well, I really want to know, like, where in the production process do we need to be giving these probiotics? Um, you know, like I said, companies really good at finding probiotics. There's a lot of companies that work with microbiota for a lot of reasons. And that we're always scanning these huge libraries and they're going to have stuff to come forward for research. But what do we do with it? And so um, one thing that's really been coming out lately that's really got me excited is how much we can change the bacteria in the gut of birds just applying it in the hatching cabinet or in the hatcheries when they're really, really very young. Mm -hmm. And understanding that the microbiota from the parent stock actually affects how well the probiotics are going to work as the chicks or ducklings or turkeys or whatever hatch. So, you know, okay, so if we're going to go back to the parent stock, where do we need to be affecting the parent stock? Because as adults, their microbiota are going to be hard to change. And and so really what I want to know maybe, and it might take us 10 years to get there, how far back do we need to go in this production, like into the breeding stock or the grandparent right. stock or the great grandparents, like how far back do we really need to go? Yeah. Um, but also to understand not just how far back we can go, but what can we change? And so this is getting into epigenetics type stuff. What can we change in our final um, production systems, the birds that are actually going to market what can we change in them by affecting their their parents and where is that going to go? So I'd really, really like to see that to, you know, have some of those breeder companies being able to say, okay, with our parent stock based on their microbiota, we know you will have healthier production animals. I, I don't even want to say this because that's almost embarrassing, but which came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, where do we start? I'm sorry. I know that was I'm terrible. I'm sorry. I'm embarrassed. But it's true. If you, you keep talking about it's going, a complicated right, answer. going back, going back, that's really fascinating uh-huh. too, that you would think about the parent stock and how that would impact mm-hmm. the next generation. Interesting. Well, yeah. And I'd love for you to give an example. Uh, we had spoken about some of the work that you've done and some of the impacts you've already seen using probiotics uh, at these early life stages and some of the impacts you've seen from parental, you know, it, basically showing this pattern. Um, so can you talk a little bit about uh, some of what you've seen and, and uh, some of what your previous research has really spoken to uh, over these, like you had said, kind of building these trends over long periods of time? Yeah. So, um, geez, it was probably eight, nine years ago. Uh, we we started some studies where we were uh, putting some probiotics into into hatcheries and looking how it affected the birds. And we were seeing some pretty good stuff. We were doing some basic analysis of the microbiota, um, growth performance, how well did the birds grow, some disease resistance. And so we were seeing pretty good results. And then um, I just, just a few years ago, I had an opportunity to really take that a step further and look at how much the offspring were able were affected by um, the parent stock. So 
so in the poultry industries, we have what we call good performing parent flocks and poor performing parent flocks. And that's based on the performance of their offspring. Okay, so we say good performing flocks, they put out offspring that do well and poor performing flocks put out offspring that do poorly. So I, I got, um, I had the opportunity to get fertile eggs from each of these two different types of flocks and um, do an experiment here. And this is where, you know, we can do things that, that maybe companies can't do so well and, and spray them with a probiotic and look at how much we could af affect the bacteria in the offspring based on just the performance of the parent flock. And what we saw was that the good performing flocks, they're, they're, uh, it was microbiome analysis, so uh, their microbiome actually shifted and changed more than the offspring in the poor performing flock. And so what that tells us is that if we want to be able to change that microbiome in the offspring, um, we really do need to focus on the parent stock that, you know, it is affected by them. And we haven't made the connection yet, but I suspect we're going to go towards that performance of the offspring is greatly affected by the bacteria that are passed down from the parent stock. So cool. It's just so, it's so interesting to see those, those types of patterns. And then what you do with, you know, what those next steps might be for producers, for companies, et cetera. Right. Do you start Just taking so care of your those low-performing stock and giving them probiotics to try to build them up to being a good-performing stock? Right. Interesting. So what is your timeline? I know you ideally you said in 10 years, this is where I want to be. What is your timeline for this project? When do you hope to see some results? Boy, I'd like to be doing some field studies uh, like next week, but <laughs> a lot of pieces, right? A lot of pieces have to come together to make it happen. So I, I think in the next um, year or two, we'll be moving forward. So, so right now we, we haven't, um, we haven't yet, we've only looked at the microbiome. We haven't looked at actual performance and vaccine response and all that stuff in the birds. So our next step will be to look at, you know, okay, we changed the microbiome. Now what? And, and see how they do. Um, and, and do the effects last, you know, just beyond this day of hatch and can they go further and, and what happens. And so we have some background from other scientists and researchers that kind of work in this field um, to know what will happen. And so I think in the next year or two, we'll have some studies to say, okay, the, the birds actually do better. Um, hopefully they do better. And, and then, you know, from there, we have to step backwards and say, all right, what are we going to do to the, the parent right. stock? Those building blocks mm -hmm. to try to get to that answer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Lisa, when you find those results, will you typically take them to industry? So the companies that you're working with, or are they better suited for producers to apply on their own? Both. Um, <laughs> so... A lot of a lot of times, if we're talking about the allied industries, um, you know, the people that produce the probiotics and come up with the ideas, um, yeah, usually they're going to be more interested in our methods for testing it and testing what they have, um, or or our methods for how do they figure out what they've got. And so I'm I'm a big proponent of if it's just a method. Um, you know, put it out there for the world to use it. Mm -hmm. Don't don't try to hold it close to my chest. This is for the good of not just the poultry industry, but the world. Sustainable, cheap protein. Keep it coming. 
share it out there if somebody can do good with it. And then whenever it comes to, say, the actual poultry producers, the farmers, the integrators, um, if anyone comes to me and wants help in um, learning how to apply these different products or ideas and methods, I'm all for it. Um, totally happy to work with them on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a completely open book when it comes to that stuff. It's there's there's unless there's a reason for me to hold on to it, a legit reason, not just because I want to um, <laughs> put, put it out there. Just just there's no reason to hold it back. I rarely run into reasons to hang on this stuff. Sometimes it might be uh, me just being scared of putting this out there and like, oh, what am I going to do to these flocks? Uh, oh, I'd like yeah. to see more information before we go there. But really, ultimately, it's their decision um, to do it. And, and they know the risks they're taking. So sure. I'm, I'm totally on board with it. Hey, Kim. Oh, my gosh. Don't tell Wait, me. Wait, speaking of collaboration, it's time for our dream big segment. Yes. Woo! Big cheer. Lisa, you know this is coming. If you had unlimited resources, funding, time, support, people, what big question would you like to research? Oh, well, the big question, I'm already doing it, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm doing it. I, I, That's exciting. I'm going for it. Yeah. 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 But, okay, so, but with more resources, of course, budgets are the big right. thing always. always. Um, we, can, we can find people. It's usually budgets. So big data, um, and I'm talking about like our proteomics and our microbiome data, um, that's where we run into our blocks. And the best way to go over budget on a project is to put some omics in there. And <laughs> it's just it's just that there's so much involved in them that and just managing the data takes time. So I would love to put all of the omics together and have somebody with a very uh, data-driven mind to work with me on this and, and to, that can follow all of this. You know, put some metabolome and kinome and proteomics and I don't, I don't know, all of the omics that we can think of and just put them together and get it to work so that we can, um, you know, see really what the omics do is they let us see the larger picture, but on a molecular level. Yeah. And, and so take some of this stuff that we know we can measure by taking body weights or growing bacteria or whatever and see what's actually happening at the molecular level through these omics. I would just love to have a huge team together of people that could that could do that and somebody that understands how to manage that data um, to to make it happen. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, and speaking of which, so I typically ask what collaborators who you would want to bring on your team. So obviously you would want someone to manage the data. Is there anyone else you would want to bring on board? Yeah. So, you know, I tend to, if I want to work with somebody, I tend to just call them up and be like, Hey, let's work. I've got an idea. Let's make it happen. Um, and so, so really, really what I like to do is to find the younger scientists, the newer professionals, because they have not had enough failures yet to think that their idea is a bad idea. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. They just don't talk themselves out of the crazy stuff. And that's what I just want to go for. I'm like, I've got these four pieces of information that seem disconnected and I want to put them together and do something. Fabulous. Yeah. And so, but it's really how we make the big stuff, the big gains, I think, and make good progress is to just be like, I don't care what the manuscripts, the articles out there tell me or, you know, what the person with 50 years of experience is telling me is going to go wrong with it. I want to just give it a try and do it right. anyways. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, younger scientists tend to really 
be good at just going for That's it. That's great. I think some of that outside of the box thinking is just really exciting. And it's it's where obviously there's a ton of risk, but it could also be a high amount of reward. So yeah, that's super exciting. So um, uh, newer faculty members, if you're listening, Lisa uh, is really interested. <laughs> Wants to work with you. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm full of crazy ideas. <laughs> Talk to me and let's make it happen. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Lisa, we so appreciate you joining us today. I love the fact that you are looking into something that so many of us can relate to. I mean, probiotics, it's uh, being thrown in uh, our faces daily, uh, showing us how much it can affect the human world. But now putting it in the poultry world, it makes so much sense. So you being able to really paint a picture of what it could mean for poultry in terms of you know preventing and building immunity but also this recovery aspect and the cool part of seeing that the parental stock may actually have such a big role as well so i look forward to hearing what you find out and i really look forward to being able to help if you want after you know this thing gets rolling so thank you so much yeah, thanks for talking with me today. I really enjoyed it. And I hope I did get you excited about poultry gut health. <laughs> you did. I know, right? Did I wake up this morning thinking that? Yes. But it absolutely happened. Yes, we did. <laughs> Such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Lisa. And thanks for listening to K-Explore's Emerging Research. Want to explore more fresh research from the College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences? Visit kx.osu.edu.